Thanks to you, our listeners, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is growing and is now available on more stations such as Facebook Video, Player.fm, iTunes, Verbal, and now on Amazon Audible. KRBN Internet News Talk Radio currently does not receive any funding to bring you these programs. However, we do ask that you hit that like button and tell your friends to help this station grow. And thank you again for your support. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. And welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And boy, we've got a packed show today. Lots to talk about. And a lot of it's local. You know, one of the reasons I do this show is to talk about what's going on here locally in Lane County and to give people a chance to talk to a sitting elected official live with a studio audience and all that good stuff (laughs) where I'm being recorded and it lives forever as a podcast on the internet. So I have to tell the truth. At least most people would think they would tell the truth when they're out in public as either a candidate or an elected official or an appointed public official. And we'll get to that in just a minute, but I want to remind folks, we are a call-in show. That's the main reason I do this show 646-721-9887 is the number, and don't forget to press 1. That kind of raises your little hand on our board and lets me know that you want to actually get in and talk to me versus we have lots of people that call in and just listen on their cell phones because they're away from their computers for a few minutes. So remember, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one and raise your little hand so Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to actually get in and speak to me on the Bose Nose Show. Either take the topic in a direction you want to go, got a question for me, or just something on your mind you want to get out there. So I promote the show heavily about the issue that came up yesterday in our board meeting with Don Leslie, who is a current uh, budget committee member and whose term is ending and whose appointment was coming back up before the board. And I was made aware of and eventually supplied an audio recording of Don Leslie at one of her campaign events on Saturday, February 19th, down in Mapleton at the Mapleton Grange, where she denied that commissioners' salary increases even came up before the budget committee, let alone the fact that she voted for them. And I found that really troubling because, you know, being on a, on a budget committee that handles an $800 million annual budget and then being untruthful about the actions that happened while you were chairing the committee. She's the vice chair, and the chair couldn't make that meeting. She was chairing the meeting when this was brought up. Yet she told this constituent that she did not, that that the budget committee never even brought up commissioners' increases, that there was no motion, 10 members, and not one of them brought it up. By the way, only seven were at the meeting. 
So, you know, I was really concerned about that. So yesterday at the board meeting, I asked Heather Buck, who had nominated her for another term, which is fascinating in, in the first place because Heather Buck is East Lane Commissioner and Don Leslie lives in my district. I don't know why that Heather Buck couldn't find somebody from East Lane to be on the budget committee in the first place. But that's just, you know, the reason she put Dawn on the budget committee because she wanted Dawn to run against me and she was trying to give Dawn some credibility. Um, and, but despite that, yesterday I brought up the fact about how she had lied about her actions and the actions of the budget committee and asked Heather either to withdraw her nomination or to at least postpone this vote. And I offered to play the audio tape of Don denying that the budget committee ever took action on this. I want you to listen yourself. So Robin's gonna put the tape up. This is, this is first a, a potential constituent at her campaign rally asking her a question about the budget committee and Don's response. There's a little bit of noise in the background because it was an outdoor event, but you can hear Don clearly deny there was never even a motion to increase commissioner salaries. Robin? Yeah, as a county commissioner, mm -hmm. you're going to get paid more than $80,000 a year to be a county commissioner, and, I, and you're on the budget committee, right? And I heard that the budget committee just voted to raise the commissioner's salary above the $93,000 it's going to be a year? That is absolutely not true. That is not true. I was in all of the meetings related to that. We, ne we never even agreed to bring it up. We voted to increase the salary of the sheriff. And we voted to increase the salary of the auditor. And the, but the, that we, we literally did, we literally, not, not a single person on the budget committee moved to even consider raising the commissioner's salary. Ten of us on the budget committee, and not a single person even moved to consider raising the commissioner's salary. So that's. So you just heard her completely deny that there was no motion to consider raising the commissioner's budgets, commissioner's salaries. So I'm going to play you some audio from the January 19th meeting of the budget committee where the elected officials compensation board presented to us and we discussed raises for those various people. By the way, it's not the auditor, it was the assessor. <sighs> she can't even quite get that straight. Um, here is. Commissioner Lori Trigger moving to raise the salaries. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Trigger? Yeah, then for the purposes of moving us along in absolute clarity, I'll just make a motion that um, the budget committee, using the information provided by the EOCB, forward a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners to increase, uh, to provide a 2% COLA to county commissioners. There you heard it. Moved by Commissioner Trigger. The second was by uh, citizen member Bruce Weber. It went on to a vote where five people voted for it and two people voted against it. The five people included Don Leslie, Heather Buck, and Joe Bernie. All three of those people that are running for either re-election or to be a county commissioner voted for a motion 
that would have resulted in a 2% increase in commissioner salaries. Now, fortunately, there is a rule in the budget committee that things have to have six votes to pass. It's an odd rule that you have to have a majority of the total budget committee, not a majority of the people that are there for that meeting. So the fact that Commissioner Pat Farr or, and myself voted against it meant that the, the motion wasn't moved on to the full board of commissioners, but it still, there was a motion in that meeting to raise the commissioner's salaries and Dawn voted for it. She ran the vote on it and heard the vote total. You heard the recording of her in Mapleton. She denied it was ever even brought up. Liar. And we want to have that person back on the budget committee. And worse yet, Heather Buck, who nominated her, knowing that she had lied about her act about the actions of the budget committee and even her you know, actions to vote for that increase. Joe Bernie, who voted for the motion to, re, to, to reappoint her. All three of those people voted to raise commissioner salaries. And then Heather and Joe voted to reappoint Don, who lied about having even considered a vote to raise commissioner's salaries. Where's the integrity in that? Do we really want somebody that's lied about their actions on the budget committee back on the budget committee? People need to ask Heather Buck about that. Because Heather and Joe both voted in favor of that motion, they have the ability next meeting that we have to do something under Robert's rules called a motion to reconsider. And people should be contacting Joe Bernie and Heather Buck and asking them to make a motion to reconsider the appointment of Don Leslie to the Budget Committee so they, there can be a separate vote again on that or a delay of it. I provided this audio tape to all the commissioners. They have it now. There's no reason they should not know that Don Leslie lied about the actions of the Budget Committee and even her actions. She chaired the committee when the motion was made. She ran the vote after it was seconded. Yet in that tape you hear deny it was ever brought up. It was never brought up. There was no motion. I'm sorry. You just heard Lori Trigger make that motion and Bruce Weber second it. So, you know, I, I mentioned in, in my promo for the show that, you know, how does this relate to, you know, there's so much going on in the world. How can I talk about something so minuscule as somebody lying about a budget committee action and being reappointed to a local budget committee here in Oregon when people are dying in Ukraine? Some of the reasons why we have Ukraine now is because of our current president of the United States. I don't care what party you are, when you look at President Joe Biden, since he has taken office, he has projected weakness in foreign affairs. Whether it's his fault or not, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was an absolute debacle. 
when you watch him kill our domestic oil production and, you know, kill the Keystone Pipeline, he's setting us up to be more dependent on the world markets. So why wouldn't Vladimir Putin be emboldened by Joe Biden? Now, what some people may not realize is, but do you know where Joe Biden got his political start? He was a county commissioner in Delaware. That was his first elected position. It matters. Integrity matters. And, you know, Biden, you know, moved into some other elected offices, was caught clearly plagiarizing other speeches. And people ignored it. Multiple complaints over the year about, you know, unwanted touching and being a little too close to people and, and kids and stuff like that. Been ignored. Family members doing strange things in countries that are actual, you know, security threats to the U.S. like China. You know, making deals and stuff like that and his family getting, you know, fairly wealthy while he's holding these elected offices. Um, you know, we wonder if there's some influence peddling going on there, strong arming maybe in the case of, of what was going on in Ukraine with getting that, you know, board position on a Ukrainian natural gas company for his son with no experience in that at all, highly paid. But all that gets ignored because it's all about winning, keeping in power with your party and keeping your agenda and philosophies moving ahead. When we ignore integrity, we get people that are, you know, not going to be doing well once they get all the way up that ladder. Vladimir Putin was the head of the KGB. He knows how to find out dirt. Do you think maybe he might have something over Biden and his family that they don't want to have go public? Everyone used to accuse him of having something over Trump. No one ever thought that might also be true of Biden. Integrity matters. And it matters from local politics, international politics. If you know somebody has lied about a little thing, what's to stop them about lying about something big? Why couldn't Don just say, yes, there was a vote about raising the commissioner's salaries. Yes, I voted for it. But it didn't move on to the commissioners because it failed to get six votes. She knows it's, uh, it's recorded, the whole motion, the vote, and everything's recorded on the county's website, ready to play, just like I did there. And why is Heather Buck so willing to appoint her? Because she knows that if she doesn't appoint her, it's going to hurt her chances to win the county commissioner's seat. So it's all about winning. It's all about power, not about integrity. People need to contact Heather Buck and Joe Bernie and ask one of them to make a motion to reconsider. Don Leslie should not be serving on the Lane County Budget Committee. 
<sighs> Maybe we should play that tape of Dawn just one more time in case people might have missed that. What do you think, Robin? Can you cue it a second time or do you want me to hit it? Yeah, as a county commissioner, mm-hmm. you're going to get paid more than $80,000 a year to be a county commissioner. And, I, and you're on the budget committee, right? And I heard that the budget committee just voted to raise the commissioner's salary above the $93,000 it's going to be a year. That is absolutely not true. That is not true. I was in all of the meetings related to that. We we never even agreed to bring it up. We voted to increase the salary of the sheriff, and we voted to increase the salary of the auditor and the... But the, that we, we literally did, so we literally, not, not a single person on the budget committee moved to even consider raising the commissioner's salary. Ten of us on the budget committee, and not a single person even moved to consider raising the commissioner's salary. So that's. Except Lori Trigger, with Bruce Weber seconding it, and then you voted in favor when you called for the vote chairing the meeting. Yes, it seems that Don Leslie cannot tell the truth. And, and, it, and about something so simple, it's because she's embarrassed. She's embarrassed she actually voted to, to increase the wages of a elected position that actually, once you add in our benefits and vehicle stipends and everything else, makes over $100,000 a year. What the heck do we need a 2% COLA for? I voted against all of our salary increases. And when we did finally get a 2% COLA back in 2018, I raised my charitable giving to the United Way by the same amount. I wonder if Joe Bernie, you know, actually, you know, gave up his extra 2%, you know, because when he was running for commissioner against Sid Lykin, he said he was going to rescind that 2% increase. Uh, yeah, so much to talk about today. I mean, there's a lot with the international news. You know, one of the things I want to make sure, you know, some people may think it's all about Ukraine with the gas prices. From December of 2019, which is pre-pandemic, so this doesn't count the, the huge drop in demand that happened, you know, when everybody stopped driving and stay at home, flatten the curve for two weeks, you know, stay at home for two weeks, flatten the curve. You remember that? Um, that turned into two years. <laughs> but, we, you know, demand dropped precipitously in 2020 and so did price. And I'm not, so that's why I'm starting in December of 2019, before demand dropped. In fact, we haven't even gotten back to the demand we were, the consumption rates we were at in, in December of 2019. We're still below those. In December of 2019, the average pr- price all grades of gasoline was $2.65 a gallon. Fast forward to December of 2021, which is, you know, we, we're coming back out of the pandemic. People are starting to drive. We're almost back up to the same consumption, but not quite. And, uh, you know, Ukraine hasn't even been talked about in the news yet. $3.41 a gallon. That's not Ukraine. That is 
canceling Keystone, canceling all new drilling permits and, and applications. That's, you know, spending money wildly at the federal level, which means you have the printing presses running, which means the money supply of U.S. dollars gets bigger and bigger. So if there's more something out in the market, the value of it gets less, which means inflation. Our administration and the, the you know, people that are in power in Washington, D.C., have chosen this free money, high spending policies that have led to this inflationary rate. Way beyond what was necessary to, to recover or help people during the pandemic, which, by the way, they also supported the restrictions that, that caused a lot of the economic disruption. Gas prices continue to rise because of those inflationary pressures that have nothing to do with Ukraine. Now Ukraine's made it even worse, and it's accelerating that. And I won't say that Ukraine's not raising gas prices, but they would have still been going up had Putin stayed on his side of the border. So just understand that, that we were already jacking our prices up by 29% over that time period. It's a lot higher than the 7% inflation rate that you hear advertised. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's there's a lot going on with that, that whole energy issue out there and, and inflation that has absolutely nothing to do with Ukraine. Ukraine's just accelerated it and made it far worse. Fascinating, though, that once we declared we weren't going to import any Russian oil, that oil prices actually fell on the market somewhat, just a little bit. It's weird. Can't predict markets very well. Um, so I want to get on to a couple other things. Remind folks, we are calling show 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one because that raises your little hand. You know, this, that, it raises that virtual hand. In this case, you press one to do that if you're a caller. Um, and we'll know that you want to talk rather than just listen. Um, so I want to remind folks that on Saturday at noon coming up this weekend, there is going to be a test of the emergency alert system in the Lane Fire Authority and Santa Clara Fire District territories. So you folks in Santa Clara, all the way out to Benita and even out close to Walton almost, you could get a funny tone on your phone at noon on Saturday. It's part of a test. Don't panic. There's, you know, no one's pushed the button in Russia or the president, you know, the, the, the nuclear football is still closed. Uh, it's a test. If it happens at noon on Saturday and you're in those areas, it's a test. Just want to make sure folks are out there. If you have questions about it, uh, you can go to either the fire district's websites or the Lane County website and find out information about the test coming up on Saturday. Do these kind of on a regular basis. So when somebody does push that button, we can let you guys know, or if there's a holiday farm fire or there's uh, some other major event going on like a tsunami, um, 
we have the ability to get the word out and make people understand. Uh, Robin, Robin's, Robin's got her virtual hand up. <laughs> What's up, Robin? I got a question regarding that. Sure. Okay, I'm I'm happily driving down the road. All of a sudden, that my phone starts making these weird noises, and I reach over and pick up my phone, and the cop behind me pulls me over. Because it's a criminal offense to touch my phone in Oregon. And the only reason why I'm touching my phone is because it's making these really weird noises. Ah, uh, yeah. You're still supposed to ignore it. <laughs> but it's an emergency but, alert. Yeah, but you're supposed to pull over before you touch your phone. But I'm on the 26 heading to Venita. There's no place to pull over, and my phone's going crazy. They, you got wait the five minutes. Is that, yeah, you're going to have to wait. Sorry for you that or stop in the middle of the road. You can't touch your phone while you're moving. <laughs> yep. So just be aware of that. If you're driving and your phone goes crazy at noon, you could get a ticket <laughs> or at least a warning. Uh, so there's a bunch of other stuff I want to talk about. And, and a couple of them have to, you know, speaking of driving and roads, um, I have to talk about the Main Street Safety Project in Springfield. And what is it, 9, 11, 23 traffic circles they're trying to plan out there? I hear that the citizens of Thurston aren't very happy about it. <laughs> A lot of the businesses along Main Street aren't very happy about it. And uh, they they kind of feel like this this safety issue has been blown up a bit. And then there's this other project going on in Eugene called Moving Ahead that LTD and the city of Eugene are putting out there where they basically want to make streets more transit and um, bicycle friendly. Translate to less car lanes, more traffic jams for cars, but you'll be able to you know, have a great big bike lane and a dedicated bus lane instead. <laughs> And the buses will get priority at the traffic lights and all that good stuff. Um, I, yeah, has anyone ever been on River Road in in the Santa Clara Beltline interchange area at rush hour? And you're going to try you know, thinking about taking lanes away? Um, I know Robin's just dying to talk about traffic circles out there in Thurston. Uh, I have to give her a minute while she recovers from that. Uh, but, you know, it amazes me that, that it seems like there's this movement to just make it so unfriendly for, for private automobiles. And, and, of course, no one's ever thinking about this. is also the same routes that trucks and all the logistics have to go over, you know, you know, those empty store shelf thing issues as we're, you know, Diesel prices are going over $5 a gallon here locally, well above that in California, uh, but over $5 a gallon. We're going to make it harder for trucks to maneuver <laughs> around our neighborhoods. And then we're going to wonder why food prices are so expensive at the Fred Myers in Santa Clara. <laughs> Take it away, Robin. Well, I also was given some other thoughts to this as well is that I think part of this is uh, 
put together by the tire industry because if you keep making left turns, you're going to wear tires. Actually, it's from uh, NASCAR. Yeah. Because you keep making left turns. Yeah, and you, so you're replacing your right tires all the time. <laughs> right. I also got to thinking about this, too, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't these technically considered an uncontrolled intersection? I don't know by the law, but I think so. Yeah. And now doing some uh, little bit of research, pros and cons, and a friend of mine who's also an engineer, and, you know, engineers think like me, you know, they look at data and whatever. And the thing that they point out is that, well, although the number of accidents yeah, don't really decline, but they're less severe because people are going slower. Okay. Well, okay, can't argue with that. You know, it's like if you're doing two miles, five miles an hour versus 30, yeah, you're not going to, well, okay, cars 20 years ago wouldn't be as much damage. Today, you look at a car and sneeze on it and the bumper falls off. But, <laughs> and you fix it, you know, with your, with your cigarette lighter and it pops back out. But, um, the thing that I worry about, and, and even in the same study, is that they work on light traffic. You take something like 42nd Street on rush hour, where you got all those cars trying to cross that intersection, and then throw pedestrians in the mix as well. Well, don't throw the pedestrians. That's virtually. Um, just like what they discovered on... Harlow Road and Pioneer Parkway, you know, they had that nice little roundabout and finally somebody said, uh, what about the pedestrians? And then according to the plan, they wanted to throw those, uh, there's, a, there's a name for it where the yellow lights just come on and you're just supposed to freeze, traffic's supposed to freeze. But in reality, you're focusing on a, on a two-lane road to try and squeeze in. You're looking to the left, looking for an opening. And then all of a sudden, here's a pedestrian trying to cross on the right, paying as much attention to the right because you're looking to get on the left. And, of course, everybody pushes that button to cross the street. But anyways, in addition to that, okay, one roundabout is okay, but from 42nd Street to 70th, quite literally nine roundabouts. Now, that's going to cost a pretty penny just in – by taking down the lights, um, adding the roundabouts, the businesses that are going to be affected, and I think, what was it, Dutch Brothers is going to lose their business by being there, or that river road I'm thinking of, one of the two of them. I think it's one of those circles goes right through a Dutch Brothers kiosk. Yeah. So they're going to do all of this money for, for these type of intersections because, now I haven't looked at the data, but last time, I think it was last year when they were saying that Main Street was considered one of the most dangerous roads, uh, according to ODOT. And it turned out to be like 14 fatalities in 10 years, if I remember my data right. Well, you know, again, being an engineer, you can manipulate data any way you want to as far as percentages go. And the only reason why they're doing this is because they're pet project. Well, the way I look at it, before we start doing this, let's start working on the roads that we have. And this is getting where my pet peeve, as I, okay, stay calm, literally just spent $400 because I hit a very deep pothole in the middle of the lane on Laura Street that literally, 
locked, I lost my hubcap, damaged my rim, did, lost a beautiful 30-day-old alignment, a ball joint, another damage. So literally $400 worth of damage to my car thanks to a damn pothole in the middle of the street. So we can't fix this stuff, but by golly, we can put in a roundabout. Yeah, but they can access federal money for the roundabout. Yeah. Like, what do you think? You know, you get shares of federal of federal and state gas taxes through the state you know, road fund sharing Springfield and, and everybody. Yeah, I, I it, it amazes me that we're going to do all this, spend all this money to make our, our roads less traffic friendly. And actually, I don't know how much safer it, some of these. I, roundabouts do have a, a safety improvement, mostly from slowing traffic down. Not so much a, an accident, you know, property damage accident improvement, but it, it definitely a safety improvement somewhat. That, that's kind of been shown. So I'm not going to argue with some of that data. But there is some issue about whether they're actually safer for pedestrians because of what Robin noted about people look are looking left and pedestrians enter from the right. Um, but the money it takes to do these improvements for incremental increases in safety. I mean, we're not having car versus car accidents on Main Street as, as so much. That that that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing that you know that that's happening out in Highway 126 between Eugene and Benita because you've got people oncoming traffic, both going you know well over 50 miles an hour, which means you're you're closing at 100 miles an hour, and when you do have a head-on, it's usually fatal. There's reasons to, to, to have those maybe in, in between Eugene and Benita. But no one's doing 50 miles an hour oncoming side by side on Main Street. Well, yeah. let's take it one step further is like, you know, talking about these pedestrian accidents. They're looking at numbers. They're not looking at the fact that, well, somebody push the crosswalk button, you know, the, the, the crosswalks that are between um, the corners, they push the button and just start walking across the street without looking both ways because their mother never taught them to do that. Or they don't even bother pushing the button and they're wearing dark clothes. It's night, it's raining. They just walk across, it, just suddenly expecting the cars to look out for them without using any common sense. Okay, boom, fatal accident. 10, 15 years ago out here on... Uh, on Main Street around 54th, over by the old Safeway, there was a uh, somebody walking home from, from the high school. Um, dark clothing. It was at night. She was had earphones in, in her ears, not paying much attention, you know, just watching. Walked down the street, car hit her, she died. It was, it was unfortunate, but the whole point was she wasn't paying attention, walked right into oncoming traffic, should have known better. But unfortunately, it counts as a fatal accident on that street. So the thing, my point is that you're trying to you're trying to engineer stupidity out of the thing, where if you just had common sense, and it gets back to one of my bitch and moans too, which I have many, um, like the crosswalk lights, you need to give um, Harlow Road again is a good example. They have the their crosswalk lights come on like a stoplight. It gives the, the cars a warning that the, 
that the crosswalk is coming on, you know, starts out yellow and then flashes red like a regular stoplight, which people are used to. Not all of a sudden these yellow flashy flashies and then you're supposed to slam on the brakes and you don't know what to do and et cetera, et cetera. So you, you got to make you got to put common sense in there. People got to use common sense and trying to engineer it out of doing this is not no matter what you do. If people don't use common sense. You're not going to change anything. And final note on that, and this is going to go back to way before the drunken engineer redesigned uh, 6th and 7th Street, is it used to be that they coordinated the traffic lights so that if you went like 28 miles an hour, you caught the green light all the way through. Nice and safe. You know, everybody had a good time and you got to where you're going. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> Guess what I was searching for. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, you know, so that's one of the things they need to do again. I mean, coordinate the lights together. For one thing, traffic will go smoother. Again, assuming that everybody is uh, doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and then just, you know, people like pedestrians, they, they need to do what they're supposed to do. And if you're going to cross the street, whether it's a controlled intersection or not, look both ways, people. Use some common sense and and things will be better. But it's not as fun as throwing in a – or trendy as throwing in a roundabout. And on that note, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Go there. I want you – to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh, yes. I, I, I know that, that this gets Robin's blood up because she just loves those traffic circles in Glenwood so much. And, uh, and she loves the fact that she spent $400 that she doesn't have on a pothole while gas is getting close to $5 a gallon. Hey, you, I, think, I work, you think I work two jobs for no reason? Yeah, gosh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, I, really, I really feel for people that have a commute and, and can't, you know, I'm able to do a lot of my job um, remotely as a commissioner. I'm, you know, that the meeting that I played you the audio of where Lori Trigger made the motion to raise commissioner salaries was a virtual meeting that I was attending from right here as I'm doing my virtual podcast. Um, and I don't drive as much as I used to drive. Um, so I'm fortunate, but, you know, the person that actually has to physically be present for their job. The, the, the CNN at Mackenzie Willamette, you know, the, the guy that actually, you know, drives the truck for some, you know, heating and ventilation repair, you know, he can't, you can't just phone that in. You can't do that virtually. So they got to commute to their place of work every day. And, you know, same thing with the person that's, you know, washing dishes in the restaurant and making minimum wage. 
Uh, and this this increase in prices that's going on right now, this inflationary pressure um, that's due to our monetary policies coming out of Washington, D.C., and basically questionable executive orders as far as the constitutionality limiting our domestic petroleum production, I really feel sorry for those people. I really feel sorry for the person on a fixed income. You know, I have friends that have retired and they're living off of, you know, savings from when they were working and Social Security. Well, what Social Security give about a 2% increase last year against a 7% inflation rate? You think some of those folks are, are, are getting ahead right now? Robin's dying to get in on this conversation, too. Breaking news. Joe Biden feels that there's a $7,500 tax rebate if you go out and buy a new car or new electric vehicle to offset gas prices. Unfortunately, people feel they don't have $58,000 to buy an electric vehicle. Go Met 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Oh, go electric. Yeah, people don't realize that, you know, first of all, part of our electric grid is driven by fossil fuels. So when, when you're charging that vehicle, you're using fossil fuels. So yeah, it, it gets gets me sometimes. Hey, I just want to, I saw somebody just come on the board. I want to remind people, if you want to get in on the show and you call in, don't forget to press one. And that raises your little hand icon on our board if you want to talk. And we are a call-in show, 646-721-9887. And just, you know, don't forget to hit that one so we know you want to talk and not just calling in to listen. And if there's a topic that you'd like to talk about as well, please feel free to join in. Uh, we are, he's friendly. Yeah, yeah. I'm really nice to callers and, and particularly callers that disagree with me because I, I love to hear other people, the, the, the other side of the argument. Um, you know, because I, I love debate. It's one of the reasons why I got into politics. I, I love the challenge of, of comparing ideas and trying to figure out what the best policy is to the, you know, to benefit the people that you're serving. Um, speaking of, I want to get to something else that's been in the news besides, you know, people lying about budget committees and raises for commissioners and gas prices and wasting money on traffic circles and taking away traffic lanes. Um, let's talk about another form of government spending. And this this one I'm I'm a little torn about because I I I I like the Eugene M's. I, I've been to their games. They're a great organization. They're really committed to our community. They do a lot of community support. Um, a lot of charitable fundraising happens at their games. They're, you know, they're a great organization. But, you know, the announcement just came out that we got $7.5 million set aside by the legislature for possible stadium for the Eugene M's at the Lane County Event Center and Fairgrounds. I've always been wary of government-built stadiums. I've watched them be built in cities and abandoned over the years. Um, and 
governments left holding, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in bonds. Uh, it, this one's not going to be hundreds of millions. It's not an NFL or, or major league baseball stadium. It's just a single A baseball stadium. I'm also torn because this could be a really great addition to the fairgrounds and maybe make the fairgrounds be successful for multiple years to come, you know, because it can be used as more than just baseball. It can be a concert venue. It can be rodeo. There's all sorts of things that can happen with that stadium. And the fact that it has locker rooms and kitchens also makes it a great thing to have if we have another big emergency and we need to you know, host people at the fairgrounds from a forest fire and stuff like that will actually have places for them to shower and a kitchen to cook for. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, got some, some things I like about it. At the same time, there's people that are kind of concerned if we do build the stadium, we might not get to this indoor track facility that a lot of people have been lobbying for for a number of years here in the, in the area. And they're saying that the indoor track facility will actually attract people in the wintertime when we need them, whereas the outdoor stadium is more of a summertime thing. But one of the things I think that people don't get in that balance is the indoor track facility, yes, it will be, you know, a winter event venue. The fact that the fairgrounds have that stadium and concert venue might make the, the fairgrounds profitable enough that their winter events can keep going. Because I, I – can tell you this, this, the fairgrounds are teetering on the edge of, of being a successful event center, you know, as far as, you know, certain things go. And without the addition of the stadium, they may not ultimately in the long run be successful. So winter events like the Oregon Logging Conference that sells a lot of hotel beds in the local area, or some of the other wintertime events that bring people into here at the fairgrounds, the, the home and garden shows and things like that, there might not be a venue for. So that that's the, you know, the, the push shoves and all that. And I start thinking about is the fairgrounds something I want to support, you know, the, this stadium, you know, and I, I've watched some of the boondoggles about public money being spent building stadiums and building, um, uh, convention centers and all that, where they've never really made the money back over the years. So I'm a, I'm a little bit leery about it and and open to to input. But uh, this this whole issue, M Stadium indoor track facility, are they really in competition with each other? Can they you know can one happen and not kill the other by happening? I I don't think that's that they're necessarily exclusive. But um, just wanted to throw that out there because that is coming back before the commissioners here sometime in the future, where we will have to actually make a go, no go decision about pushing forward with that, you know, stadium, concert, and event venue at the fairgrounds. So I need to hear from you all as we are thinking about, you know, what we're doing. And I just saw somebody's hand go up. Go to Jason, who called in. Probably wants to talk about the stadium. What What's on your mind, Jason? Well, is that the only viable spot for the stadium? Is it possible to to be out? 
maybe north of Eugene and not cause traffic jams and whatnot? Um, unfortunately, it's the only place viable in the time frame that the M's have to build a new stadium or get relocated by Major oh, that's League right. Baseball. I, I I forgot they did have a timeline. Otherwise, we might lose the M's. I just missed Civic Stadium, so it was I was curious yeah. about that. Yeah, so. and it, and in some ways, I think having it at the fairgrounds will mimic some of what we have with Civic Stadium. Where you're going to have an in, you know, a stadium in the neighborhood, people can walk to a game from their house. You know, that's yeah. going to be kind of a cool. So, anything else on your mind, Jason? Well, or is the county looking at making improvements to the the roads around it to make it more viable and, and safer traffic? Because I've been uh-huh. down there during the fair time, and it could be a little chaotic. Yeah, it can get chaotic, and I think um, the, the M games don't quite have the same traffic loading as as, as the fair does. Um, so, mm-hmm. and, and and you don't have most of the parking taken up by Midway. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the fair. Yeah. The fair has a couple things traffic wise that, that make it really difficult to deal with. Is is the Midway takes up all of the parking on site for the most part, and the vendors. And so then yeah. everybody's parked in that field and there's not enough parking. So it gets, and so people are parking in neighborhoods and yeah, it, it gets to be kind of crazy, but yeah, I think, I don't think the M's games are going to be quite the traffic issue and we'll have to work with the city of Eugene because all the streets around there are actually city owned. And I'm sure that as we oh. go through this, we'll have a traffic impact analysis. Oh, I'm sure I, I was, I served on junction city planning and County for a while and traffic impacts going to have to be done. But uh, that's all I had to bring up. I was wondering if there was multiple sites or if the fairgrounds was the only option. So. Yeah. 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 So having, you've been on, you know, the uh, boards that were appointed by the County. If you knew one of your fellow members of the planning commission had lied about the actions that the planning commission took or, um, the actions they took as planning commission, being on the planning commission, do you think they should have been eligible to be reappointed to the planning commission? Uh, no. I, I would have probably made their life a living hell during the meetings, too. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. So so you think <laughs> this Dawn Leslie thing lying about her, the actions of the budget committee and her actions while chairing the budget committee, do you think she deserved to be reappointed to the budget committee? No, I was actually the chairman of the Junction City Planning Commission, and uh, and uh, just you can't have somebody leading one of those bodies that is going to sit there and lie all the time. It, I mean, whether they're, I mean, because then the question is, do they have special interest behind them? I I was always a firm belief that it runs better when everything's up front and everybody's honest about it. So. Um, I, I would say that she needs to be removed because if she gets appointed to, well, being being appoint, reappointed, who who's writing her ticket, so to speak, or who's backing her for a possible election bid, and how is she going to treat treat the county uh, and, and its constituents uh, if she does get in, elected? 
I, I'm just afraid we're going down the wrong path. Uh, we've got enough issues with the county commissioners right now um, that aren't taking the uh, not keeping the people in mind. And uh, so I, I would have to say she needs to be removed. There you go. One vote for, for removal from, from Jason in Junction City. Well, thanks, Jason, for, for getting in on the conversation. I will let you go back to, to the listening mode there. And uh, Okay. Yeah, but it's just that easy. He was called in and was just listening because he's away from his computer, and he, he hit the one on his keypad, his little virtual hand raised, and, and got in on the show. And anyone that wants to get in, if you're listening, you know, just – Hit the one button and we'll get to you. Or you can call in. You know, if you're if you're on your computer and you want to call in and talk to me, it's six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. And uh, you know, I just I I have to go back to that issue with Don Leslie, and just you know, and the last five minutes of the show, unless somebody calls in and wants to change the conversation here, I, I have to go back to it one more time because I think this is a big issue. And, and for some reason, the press isn't picking up on it other than KPNW um, News did a, did a little blurb about it this morning. Um, but you've got somebody running for county commissioner that has got a lot of support. There's money coming into her campaign from uh, the public employee unions, for the most part, who lied about the actions of the committee she's serving on now as a as a appointed public official at the county. That should be a news story. And the thing she lied about was trying to get salary increases for the position she's running for. That seems like a pretty serious damn issue. And the fact that when I brought it up, I got absolutely no response out of anybody but but Chair Farr, who, who was very concerned about it but hadn't heard the videotape yet, and then ended up voting with me not to reappoint her. We just had, you know, people, you know, the, the three other commissioners, Commissioner Trigger, Commissioner Buck, and Commissioner Burney, just sat there and looked at the screen and ignored the fact that I just told them that the person they're getting ready to appoint lied about her actions and the actions of the budget committee. And just quietly sat there and then Lori Trigger carrying the water for Heather Buck made the motion to appoint her and then the three of them voted to appoint her anyway. They weren't willing to delay for a week because there's no time issue. The budget committee does not meet again till the end of April. Why did that have to happen on March 8th? It couldn't have waited till next week or the week after to make that appointment till they'd actually heard the audio of her lying to a potential constituent Seems like that ought to be, you know, almost front page news. I, I, I get it. The war in Ukraine is going to be front page. 
and you know travel lane county's announcement that our our room you know rental rates at hotels has gone up you know made front page of the register guard but a candidate a leading candidate for county commissioner one that has an organization and funds behind her lied about her current appointed public position and that doesn't become a story says something about our press and our press's willingness to forgive anybody that that walks and marches the line that they they approve of and it says something about the other elected officials that they ignore that because they approve of her politics and agenda because it's theirs which is you know, carrying on with all sorts of crazy virtue signaling resolutions that they've done over the last couple years. While our homeless situation gets out of hand, there's fist fights in the streets of Eugene when the bars close down, people lighting dumpsters on fire and damaging buildings and, and vehicles. You know, yet we're going to virtue signal by pulling us out of the association of ONC counties, which by the way, Don voted you know, to pull us out and against rejoining while on the budget committee, a place where we actually lobby for funds from the federal government that helps us pay for our public safety system in Lane County. But you have to virtue signal about environmental stuff by pulling out of that organization at the cost of our rural patrol in this county. But that's Don Leslie. Should be front page news. I'll remind people, Joe Bernie, Heather Buck voted to be a pointer. They can ask to reconsider that motion at our next meeting. Give them a call. Well, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, I'll be in a better mood, maybe. (laughs) Uh, Coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.